Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, July 16th. We're going to switch things up a bit on today's episode. Now, if you listened earlier in the week, you heard me break down the results from all six of the tournaments happening on the ATP and WTA tours this week. We're talking action in Budapest, in Prague, Lausanne, Hamburg, Newport, and Bastad. Of course, the action continued at each of those events on Friday, but rather than look at all of them, I wanted to look at Newport specifically, and I could think of no better guest to help me do that than someone who's on the ground covering the event for our friends on the Tennis One app. Of course, you may also know his work for NCAA.com, for Turner Sports, for the Big Ten Network, for Fox Sports, FS1, of course. He's the host of the March Madness 365 podcast, formerly of ESPN, friend of the program here at Cracked Rackets, Andy Katz, who, as I mentioned, on the ground covering Newport for our friends over at Tennis One. He joins me on today's podcast to talk about the scene on the grounds, what it's like to have fans back in the stand. Are they gravitated towards any player in particular? And of course, what has he thought of the action that's unfolded? You look at the semifinals, it's going to be Brooksby versus Thompson, Anderson taking on Sasha Bublik. We break down both of those matchups, offer our thoughts on the weekend. I also wanted to ask Andy's thoughts on Novak Djokovic's accomplishments here. Andy, of course, has been ingrained in man. Uh, what's the word, ingratiated, ensconced perhaps in the sporting world for such a long time? Has he seen other athletes across other sports, you know, that he would draw comparisons to for what we're seeing from Novak Djokovic this year? It is a fantastic conversation. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. And of course, the reason we are able to do these day in, day out here on this podcast is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over at Tennis Point. You guys know the deal. Tennis-point.com for the best equipment at the best prices. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, that's Tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's get to today's conversation with the one and only Andy Katz. Joining us on the podcast once again today, a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows. You may know him from his work at ESPN, at CBS, for the Big Ten Network, for NCAA.com. He is an all-sports superstar. Of course, I know him as my friend Andy Katz. Andy, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, You forgot my two main employers, Turner Sports and Big Ten Network, but that's okay. Uh, I think I threw in Big Ten Network. I will never forget the Big Ten. You know, a Michigan man. I have an M on my chest right now yes, as we're I know. speaking. I'm a, little con- I'm a little concerned that you forgot about the Big Ten Network. That's all right. No, I'm just salty that I'm not there this weekend. That's what I leave it up. I was going to say the most famous person to ever text me first because I was like, that's certainly a title that you own as well. But again, great to have the chance to talk to you on the show today. We are speaking with you as you are live from the action in Newport. I know that in this event that is near and dear to your heart. I just want to start here before we get into anything too specific. We have talked both on media things we have done and privately about what the lack of a tennis event meant to that community. To have Newport back, to have it open to fans, it appears to be buzzing on the grounds of Newport. Is that an accurate report? Yes, um, because last year it was dearly missed. Um, the only good thing that happened last year was the grass, which they redid the entire grass, really barely got played on. 
So it's in great condition for this event. But yeah, I mean, like anything, I mean, everything got canceled last summer. So the Hall of Fame Open, the Folk Fest, Jazz Fest, Mainstays, sailing events that are part of Newport, Rhode Island, you know, didn't happen. And even as, you know, really into the middle of the winter, uh, as the vaccine was starting to come out and everything, you know, no one knew, A, if the tournament would happen. Then it was, okay, it's going to happen. Is there going to be, you know, are there going to be fans? And then, okay, there's going to be fans, but it's going to be at 25%. Then it's 30%, 50%. And, you know, fortunately, all good things started to happen, and now it's open completely. Uh, earlier in the week, we had, you know, some weather issues where there was a lot of mistiness and a little slick conditions, kind of like Wimbledon. Um, and then the last couple of days, it's been summer. It's been humid. It's been sunny, and uh, which is all, you know, good in terms of fan and, and, and play uh, for the event. Um, the only thing I would say, and you could speak to this as well, um, you know, sometimes in these events, and I don't care if it's 250, 500, you name it, but it's more of a 250 thing. When you have wild cards, um, you don't know where to see them, how to see them. And so the bracket is much more top heavy uh, because mm -hmm. in a semifinal, you know, we've got Alexander Bulik, who is the top seed, taking on Kevin Anderson, who's had a little bit of a rebirth here. As everyone knows, he's a two-time Grand Slam finalist. Um, and they're in a semi. And the bottom is uh, someone that you know because you follow this religiously, Jensen Brooksy, Brooksby, who's having a, a great week here in Newport. And obviously, is I think you could argue, like Sebastian Corda, not as successful, but in that grouping of Americans that are starting to come on here against uh, Jordan Thompson, uh, who's had great success on grass and has been around for a while. Uh, but, you know, even Jack Sock was in the top half, another wild card with Kevin Anderson. And it just would have been nicer if there was a way to figure out to have Anderson and Sock, you know, at the bottom part of that bracket. Uh, but I guess, I don't that's the thing, Alex, you know, those, those wild cards, I'm not quite sure how you seed them and if it's fair because Sam Query was the two seed and he gets bounced in straight sets. Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And that's sort of the beauty of tennis, right? The fact that the draw can break that way. And, you know, it does look like as of now, <clears throat> excuse me, if Sasha Bubla can get through this Kevin Anderson test, he is going to be the prohibitive favorite in that final. And, you know, again, I do want to talk about both of those semifinal matches. I am fascinated to hear your thoughts on Brooksby in particular. But before we do that, I, I want to ask you about something because, again, you're on the ground. And the one thing I think I miss more than anything is just being on the grounds like Orlando spoiled me because you're back on the scene in that environment and as someone covering a sport there's just a difference to being there versus having to cover it remotely and you know again being there on the grounds I think you can speak to this well uh, there's a podcast I did coming out early next week where we named the 10 most identifiable, uh, identifiable players right now in American tennis and I made an argument that Jack Sock is fourth on the list and certainly by his singles ranking he's outside the top 200 entering the event this week and you know he isn't that mainstay at the top of the doubles rankings that he was in the prime of his career but I still had him number four because I've been to those events I've seen the way he captivates the crowd and I know in my circles the text Jack Sock is playing is one that will get people to go watch uh, tennis casually. And so, you know, again, you're there. You've seen the response not only to him in singles, but to he and Blumberg as a doubles duo. Would you agree with the sentiment that Jack Sock, one of the most identifiable, one of the most popular players right now in American tennis? 
Yes. And, you know, this may be blasphemy to say, um, <laughs> but I think more people gravitate to Jack Sock uh, on the court, his play, the fact that he plays obviously singles and doubles, and he's mainly a doubles player now, than John Isner or <laughs> Riley Opelka. Um, I don't get the same sense that people are drawn to either one of those guys. And this is not a slight against large people in terms of height, but their style of play, it's just, you know, it's if their serve is on, it's its one and done, and a lot of seven sixes. Uh, and so it doesn't captivate people as much. And so if you were to have, you know, one American, you want Jack Sock, uh, I think, because, hey, he's going to play both. And he's animated, he's energetic, and I think that he, you know, fans know the name, it's easy to remember, and he's been, I didn't remember a couple of years ago, it was Jack Sock that was tabbed by John McEnroe to be part of the Laver Cup because of his doubles play. So, you know, clearly he is still very well regarded uh, in doubles. This is exactly the point I made, and I think it was a podcast. It was something. It, it, Malcolm Gladwell definitely said it. I think he was with Bill Simmons when he was talking about. It. You just can't relate to someone who's seven feet because it's not replicable. You're just like, I can't do that. I can't just bunt down on a serve and pop it 140 the way an Opelka can, the way an Isner can, the way even you know a guy Sam Query still six six, a little bit more relatable. But for Sock. You know, and I say this on the podcast as well. I say my doubles partner from club tennis in college is the version of Jack Sock. It's like the most human version. Max Rothman is an approximation of Jack Sock. I've seen a big serve, a big forehand, and it feels like that sort of thing is at least obtainable. It's not. You're right. Like the relatability is a hundred percent it. And there's a flair to Jack Sock. He definitely has a flair for the moment. He understands how to build up the drama and you know really work his way in, uh, into a crowd and get them on his side. Uh, now, so I, it was just interesting because you're on the grounds. Like I feel like it was sold out for his doubles match as well as his singles match, and that never happens. Yeah, and also it helped that the weather was great this morning. It was hot. Um, and, you know, Will Blumberg, who, uh, you know, I actually said I was fluent in for Blair Henley. I said this over the uh, loudspeaker that he's the unicorn, uh, the 10-time <laughs> NCAA All-American, which will may never, ever, ever happen again because he was able to play five years because of COVID. And uh, he's got a strong following. You know, he's from Connecticut. So his entire family's here. He's saying his grandparents you know, obviously in the last year and a half haven't been traveling and they got to see him play. And so uh, there was definitely a buzz created by, you know, Blumberg. Uh, and so I think that's, you know, a, a, just a great draw for the tournament as well. And then also, um, you know, it's interesting. I asked this to sock after the match. It's a little sort of like you, you, there's no gray hair in him. I mean, now, but, <laughs> but he's sort of the older guy. He's the mentor. And, you know, I, I texted you this. I mean, how about of all um, – the first doubles partners on a pro tour to play with is Jack Sock. <laughs> and, and the fact that they met, they met over a video game in Fortnite. And now that Jack was saying that he and his wife live in Charlotte. So they follow the Tar Heels. So they're very well aware of his career. And, um, you know, that's just, a, it's a great pairing. Uh, and, um, you know, I think this will ultimately help will, uh, you know, who knows how often they'll play together after this, but maybe they will, they become friends and this will, this kind of thing that can pull Will into other events. I think it's inevitable that you and I end up talking about this topic. It's just we're destined to do it. That would be a very well-received wild card into the U.S. Open, would it not, Andy? A Jack Sock-Will Blumberg doubles pairing? Yes, and I think that 
if the U.S. Open were smart, which they are, this would be a great one to do because A, as we've said, Jack Sock is very popular. B, um, you know, I know that they're going to reward the NCAA champion, but at the same time, uh, and Sam Rafisi, but at the same time, uh, that's in the singles, um, you know, you should recognize Will Blumberg and all that he did for college sports, college tennis, excuse me, uh, Carolina, the success he had. I think that would be a great gesture, but it's also a deserving one, you know, to, to give him a wild card like that in the doubles. Absolutely. It was something to look forward to, a little anticipation. But yeah, they're really freaking good, and they could win this. I mean, any time Jack Sock steps on a doubles court, it could be with me and you, Andy, and he'd have a shot to win the event. But certainly when you get the quality of Will Blumberg, that is a very fun team. And I sent this out as a tweet, but it's not a sentiment that's going to be a surprise to our listeners. As good as Will was in singles in college, he was the best doubles player in the country from the moment he stepped on campus. Yes, he eventually became the best singles player as well but he was so so good in doubles and that comes with having the opportunity to train with the Bryans when he was younger but that serve that forehands his hands and reactions at the net I think he's definitely got uh, some serious upside there so that is a fun team to watch but of course that's the doubles action I want to well, ask you about yeah, me, you know, oh, please. Shift, I'll just say just put a bow on it um I actually am really looking at not everyone's always looking forward to the doubles but so um um Vasek Pospisil and uh, Austin Krejcik got a walkover to the final, and they were actually hitting this afternoon. So they're waiting on Sunday. And then in the semi, um, Sock and Blumberg have to get through a very experienced pair in Jonathan Ehrlich and Sam Gonzalez uh, mm-hmm. from Israel and Mexico. So that'll be really interesting. That's going to be a really good doubles match on Saturday to see who's going to get to the final. Of course, Sock and Pospisil partnered to win the Wimbledon doubles and Austin Krejcik, a former NCAA doubles champion while at Texas A&M. So a lot of history there. Again, the doubles almost feels like a bonus, but this singles, very, very exciting as well, Andy. And the guy I want to start with, we'll stick with the college tennis ties. And I could go the Kevin Anderson route here because, of course, former Illini standout. But I want to go the Jensen Brooksby route because Jensen Brooksby had had pro success before going to college in 2020 he had made I saw the him second at the US Open. Exactly. He had made the second round of the U.S. Open, beat Tomas Burdich first round, and he was the Kalamazoo champion. Of course, Kalamazoo, the USTA Boys 18 singles junior championship, the winner of that, getting a wild card into the U.S. Open. He had also had some success on the Challenger Tour, but he was banged up, had a turf toe, had a couple of different injuries, ended up electing to go to college. We never got to ultimately see him play. But it has been all success for Brooksby since he's returned on the tour this year. And just some numbers for you, Andy, and for our listeners. He is now 31-5 in five since, the tw- uh, since the start of this 2021 season. Some firsts for him over the course of that time. He won his first challenger title. Of course, he followed that up with two more. Uh, he won his first back in, uh, in Orlando. He had, or, excuse me, in South Africa. He ends up winning two more in Orlando and Tallahassee. He goes on a 13-match winning streak. Orlando, Tallahassee, Roland Garros qualifying, plays his first Roland Garros main draw where he loses to Aslan Karatsev. He now reaches his first ATP quarterfinal here in Newport, only to follow it up with his first ATP level semifinal as he knocked off Gojevic today 0-3 in straight sets. It's not the the flair. It's not the big serve, the big forehand of a sock, of a Blumberg. It's not the size of an Anderson 
But Jensen Brooksby can just play tennis, Andy, and I'm fascinated to hear your thoughts on it because I don't know how much of his game you've seen, but it's very, very different than your conventional style. Curious what you've thought. Well, as you led up to it, I mean, he was supposed to go to Baylor, which at the time was a big coup for Baylor to get him. Um, but because of COVID, it never actually happens. Uh, but uh, in terms of him playing, so that would have been interesting, you know, because Baylor is obviously usually a team that's in contention for going deep in the NCAAs. So that didn't happen. Uh, but this is his first professional grass tournament. I don't even know how often he's really ever played on grass. Uh, when I talked to him this afternoon, it's it's barely, um, you know, and, and he's already to the semis. Uh, what I loved was his confidence. You know, it's funny. When I also saw him walking out of the facility after he'd showered and changed, just shuffling out, it, you know, there used to be this expression when you'd see like a basketball team in the airport. Are they all airport? Do you know they're even a team? <laughs> uh, and as he's walking out, you wouldn't know that, here's a guy that potentially can be a top 100 player. Like he just doesn't have that physical presence, you know, that, that other people, you say, Oh yeah, yeah. That guy uh, is a big time, you know, a tennis player or athlete or what have you. Yet he, you know, the skill set, his confidence. Um, it doesn't ever seem to waver. And it just feels, feels like he was in so far, at least in this tournament, he's been incredibly efficient uh, and has never really been rattled at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it feels like a, a little tennis chameleon-y in that the better the opponent, the better the Jensen Brooksby. And he doesn't hit the 130-mile-per-hour serve, but it's not because he's like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, he's still a comfortable 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and you're right, he's still growing into that body. And I almost feel protective of Brooksby. We've had the chance to interview him a couple of times, and I got to know him pretty well. Uh, just We've been at events together. We spent a lot of time in the Cleveland workout room together because, again, it's COVID. There's not much else to do when you're not at the facility, but there's a— there's an innocence to Brooksby, I suppose, and I'm curious if you've gotten this impression as well. And again, I almost feel protective saying it, but he just seems so singularly focused right now on becoming the best tennis player he can be, on winning every single thing that he does as it relates to tennis. That means winning the matches, winning the practice sessions, winning the inter- Just This guy wants to be top 50, wants to be top 20, wants to be top 10, wants to become the best tennis player he can be. That's why I'm so encouraged on his upside even beyond anything he can do off the court all of or on the court all of the intangibles he checks off all of those boxes for me i'm curious if you've gotten that impression yes uh there's no question about it that he um you know is for lack of a better term he's very much a professional um yeah now i think that as he progresses you know he will come out of his shell a little bit more um but he's not overwhelmed by the moment you definitely don't get that sense at all uh so i think that will benefit him well and you know look as he continues to win and progress you know maybe he'll become a little bit more of an extrovert and increase his sort of social presence uh but i think that's just a matter of time a tidbit for you ask him tomorrow say so i know you're a baylor bear by by trade but i know you're an oregon duck at heart ask him about his oregon fandom he'll smile it'll always get him going yeah he'll like that Um, because i think he's gonna beat thompson tomorrow i'm curious what you think yeah i do i mean thompson um you know i I will say this uh maxime cressy was gave him a good run and it was five four in the second set uh thompson got 
you know, a little frustrated, lost that game, ended up having to win a tiebreaker. Uh, but he was he was wavering a little bit, and, and Brooksby just has not done that yet in this tournament. He, he has been as consistent. I mean, really, the two most consistent players have been him and, and Bublik, uh, the top seed. Um, you know, Alec, uh, Kevin Anderson had a tougher match than anyone probably in having to get by Jack Sock. But uh, I would say Jensen Brooksby certainly has been um, you know, if it's not one, it's one A in terms of the most consistent player here so far. Mm-hmm. That's what he does best. Again, you just know you're going to get 100% of Jensen Brooksby in each and every match he plays. And respectfully, that's not something you always say about number one seed Sasha Bublik, who you bring up now. Of course, Alexander Bublik, your number one seed here at this weekend's event, uh, in our week's event in Newport. I feel left out. I think I'm the only Alexander in tennis, Andy, who doesn't go by Sasha. Um, but And by the way, I'm not intending to go by Sasha anytime soon. But uh, I, I could be wrong, but... Um, when I talked to him two years ago when he was here, I feel like he wasn't a fan of me referring to him as, as Sasha. Yeah, um, I think he, I have, yeah, I I think he wavers back that. and forth. I have a memory of that, that when I interviewed him, that he was not a huge fan of that. Oh, uh, so, um, but, you know, first of all, um, you got to give him credit that he made this commitment because he's the only one here that's going from here to Tokyo. And <laughs> in, an, in a week where we're seeing a lot of people bow out of Tokyo for various reasons uh he's still committed to going over there and representing Kazakhstan and 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 trying to win a medal um you know look he's a he's an interesting character uh he did say within context that the pandemic was good for him and he means that not in a you know epidemiology way or you know he means that it it allowed him to sort of recenter himself Mm -hmm. uh I remember he you know he kind of wanted to take the game so seriously two years ago. Um, and now you know, he was almost like curious light, if you will. Um, and now he's definitely more into the game, but not um, – He's found. it feels like he's found a little bit of a, a balance. Mm-hmm. He's still going to take it a little light, but he's serious enough that, you know, he's in the top 40 now and a number one seed at a 250 like this trying to win the title. 26 and 20 uh 26 and 17 excuse me overall in 2021 he's made two finals he's made quarterfinals at the Madrid Masters at the Miami Masters quarterfinals in Eastbourne as well lost third round of Wimbledon if <laughs> I wonder if he'd chuckle if you say be honest was the appearance fee why you showed up uh just uh, just curious what he would say uh, to uh that he question. might say yes yeah that's the thing he would be the one person to answer honestly yes um, he would probably but, say yes Yes, exactly. But, you know, tomorrow he's got Anderson. And, of course, Kevin Anderson, known commodity, fire and serves, better, you know, so much power from the baseline, great length around the court as well. But Bublik's got the firepower to test him, certainly. So I'm curious, your thoughts on that semifinal? Yeah, I mean, Bublik should be the favorite. Um, but Kevin Anderson's the more experienced player. He's been in this position before. You know, he's an interesting case study you never know the what ifs like what if he had mm-hmm. not been injured um you know he's a two-time grand slam finalist uh in wimbledon at the u.s open you know would his career trajectory change if he wasn't battling injuries the last couple of years um would he have been able to stay in the top 10 top 20 uh probably and so you know tournaments like this for players like anderson like jack sock um allow them to sort of reset their career sometimes and i think that's what we're seeing with kevin anderson who still sees that he's got something left in the tank. 
Absolutely. It's his, you know, second semifinal since returning from injury, but first since I think last September. And yeah, I, I would agree with everything you say. I think he is back up to number 100 by making the semifinals of this event. I'm sure if you ask him, he still considers himself a top 10, top 20 guy. So that matchup, a lot of firepower, a lot of fun now. You know, I know you're busy on the grounds, but before I let you go, I have to ask you one non-Newport related question, if that works. Sure. All right, and I think it's one you're going to enjoy. And, you know, again, because I like to ask people who aren't as invested in the sporting world and in, in – or excuse me, in the tennis world as I am, people who don't live it day in, day out, aren't in the bubble. But, you know, again, you are a part of the sporting world and you've, acknowledged, you've you know, watched accomplishments not just in tennis but across sport. What Novak Djokovic is doing this season at age 34 – to have won the first three Grand Slams of the year, to be the prohibitive favorite entering not only uh, the Olympics but the 2021 U.S. Open, to be the first man since you know Rod Laver to win the calendar Grand Slam, all four in the same year. And he's got the opportunity and will very likely win his first Olympic gold medal in singles as well. To do all of that at age 34. I'm thinking of comparisons. Like you think age 34 Michael Jordan was back with the Bulls and having historic, I think that's 96, 97 or 95, 96. Like that's one. Maybe LeBron at age 34 was that last year with the Lakers. Certainly he's around that age now. He's that impressive. But like outside of that, and Serena is the other obvious one, but outside of those, like I think that's the category Novak hangs with now. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I'm curious. When did Martina stop winning? Wasn't she? That's that a, that's practice? another very good Martina. Martina it belongs on every list. She's awesome. Yes. She's the undersold great champion because she really yes. was the record in everything. So I agree with you. I mean, what he's accomplishing is certainly mind-boggling, um, and he's getting better, you know, as he gets older, and and so that's what's even more hard to fathom. So yes, I would I would put him in all the. In the greats and all that, in all those categories, especially if he can complete this Golden Slam with Tokyo and then the U.S. Open. I. What are your thoughts on all the dropouts from the Olympics? Not surprised um, yeah. for two reasons. Um, one, uh, it will be the most restrictive uh, event that any of these players have been in outside of the Australian Open, and maybe even more so. Um, and the timing of it, you know. You know, it's it's a very quick turnaround to basically the end of the U.S. Open swing with Cincinnati, um, and then uh, the U.S. Open. I mean, I know you know there's Canada, which is is definitely going to still happen, but like what we see with Rafa, uh, you know, he's going to go D.C. probably Cincinnati, and then the U.S. Open. I mean, this is where they make their money, and you're not going to make your money in Tokyo because you're not getting paid, and so the combination of that. They're all probably got, I'm sure they all have, you know, COVID restriction fatigue. And it's going to be on serious lockdown. You know, I think what you, I don't even know if you're limited to one person, two people, but it's pretty limited. Um, You know, for the elite players, obviously, they like having all their people with them. So I'm not surprised at all we're seeing this mass defections. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with you. And I, I, it's funny. And no, and no no fans, no fans. That's that's a huge thing. I also think 
Novak Djokovic is the exception because this is the one thing he's missing. It's like this matters more to him than anyone else. And some of the younger players, it's also, okay, I can represent my country or I can play one of likely 15 more U.S. Opens I'm hoping to play in my career. So he is the exception, but I agree with you. There's a reason for everyone else. You do see them drop out just so many different – there's so much tennis left to be played, I suppose. And with that in mind, the last thought, does Djokovic pull it off? Calendar Grand Slam, Olympic gold medal, is he getting it done? Uh, I think he definitely, yes, I think he gets the calendar grants. I'm, I'm not convinced yet uh, on Tokyo on the o- for the only reason is I just think it's going to be so um, different than anything anyone has experienced. And I think the fatigue of being so restrictive, um, I think it's kind of, it could be anyone that, that comes through and wins it. Uh, so he should win it, but I don't think it's a given based on you know, just because it's going to, I mean, geez, they just announced on Friday that you're going to have to pick up your own medal. You know, (laughs) they can't even hand you the medal. So uh, it's definitely going to have a different feel. You think he picks it up with his teeth like it's Wimbledon grass? Like Joe, yeah, just like, I'm, yeah, he's just like whatever. I watch this flexibility. Yeah. Look what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> no, a- absolutely. But uh, with that in mind, of course, again this week you are with the Tennis One crew covering all things happening at Newport. I know you also just wanted to hurt my feelings talking to Johnny Juzang earlier this week, UCLA guard who yes, ripped out my Wolverines heart. But of course, for all of our listeners, what do you have coming down the pipeline? Uh, well, more of the rest of this weekend, obviously coverage. Uh, uh, for the NBA draft uh, on NBA TV. That'll be uh, in two weeks' time, so you can see a lot of my work there as well. Is Franz Wagner that good? Yes. Your Michigander will be there uh, uh, by way of Germany. will be somewhere in the lottery, I think, back end. I heard someone say sixth, and I was like, are we talking about the same Franz Wagner? I was like, really, sixth? Uh, that might be a little high. Yeah, it feels on the high end. I agree. But anyways, I'll leave the college basketball talk to you. But Andy, thank you as always for taking the time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Tell Sal I say hello, of course, and we will chat again soon. All right. Thanks, Alex. Yep. Take care. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Andy Katz. A thank you to him, as always, for taking the time to chat again to hear about everything happening on the grounds at Newport. Go check out our friends at the Tennis One app. Their coverage, as always, second to none. Of course, if you've missed out on anything else that's happened this week in the tennis world, you can catch up on everything on our website, CrackRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPod. A shout-out, as always to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, for our wonderful guest, Andy Katz, super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends over at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And also, that's the break. Leave it in, Westoff, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.